Everyone wants to know my secret. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh. Bo, 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 bo. All right. Um, hi. Hello. Welcome. I am your host, Jordan Haas, and this is my niche podcast about the one thing I kind of know about. Game shows, I suppose. Anyway, this is going to be a weird episode, to say the least, because a lot of things have been going on in the world of game shows uh, since the last episode. So it's going to be a bit of a catch-up, then it's going to be back into our usual deep dives. Um, for starters here, uh, we got to just address some, some stuff. Who wants to be a millionaire with Jeremy Clarkson is back on ITV? I didn't even offer any thoughts on that yet. Uh, because Millionaire is, you know, a beloved format, and it's Jeremy Clarkson. I think Jeremy Clarkson as the host of Millionaire is actually a pretty fun show, because pretty much his personality when it comes to, rather it was his Top Gear days, or on his grand tour on Amazon, is that of the all-British bloke. You know, the guy you won't have a beer with because he's a manly man. Almost like a Tim Allen kind of weird Tory dude. But it, it, it kind of works in the sense of, you know he won't really be helpful when it comes to answering these questions. So he's not really an intelligent person. Uh, plus, he's probably getting paid way more than a million pounds. Um, last year, when they started the show, they introduced the Ask the Host Lifeline, in which not only can you phone a friend, ask the audience, or 50-50, but now you can also ask Jeremy Clarkson for advice and help. And it usually brings in for more comedy purposes. But I think the original intention is kind of to use that as your first lifeline, on an easier question, uh, because it's relatively simple, and he's a simple-minded man. Um, but no, really, like if you f can somehow find an episode of the Jeremy Clarkson Millionaire, it gives off the same drama, the same spectacle that used to be when the American version of Millionaire first premiered with Regis Philbin. It's this kind of personality, this drama. The, the questions, the way they're not really at ease at any point in the show, I, I enjoy it. And I think besides Deal or No Deal currently on CNBC, these are the two big game shows going on right now. Uh, even if you're not big on game shows, to, to just give a little watch if you want some drama. Um, in addition to that, uh, our friends over at Buzzer Blog have decided uh, to break some news about a new game show on Netflix. I've always thought that Netflix should get into the world of game shows and it'd be a bingeable type show. And apparently there is a game show coming soon called Awake, the Million Dollar Game. Uh, and it was apparently filmed at the abandoned Ikea in Burbank uh, for maybe you not living in Los Angeles. Um, the Burbank Ikea used to be situated right near Cartoon Network Studios and it's kind of just like a place uh, for you to buy furniture because you know what Ikea is there's meatballs and and hot dogs for a dollar and uh, they decided to move their Ikea in Burbank to a much bigger Ikea the biggest one I believe in North America so now there's just this big empty Ikea warehouse and I assume what they're doing is now using it as studio space <laughs> because Netflix has decided to make this game show called Awake which is a sleep deprivation based game show uh, a lot of people are bringing allusions to that to the game show Cram. Uh, Cram was a GSN game show where people uh, had 24 hours to study basically a whole bound of books uh, in the hopes of winning up to $10,000. And the idea is that, of course, they had little to no sleep because 24 hours. 
uh, to study. Um, that that's kind of the idea here. Uh, I don't know if it, it's going to be similar to Cram. I think the idea of sleep deprivation as a game show, I it, it's here and there. I, I think it works if it's something like a solitary where it's supposed to be an isolation-based torture game show. But when it comes to, you know, just to use it as a tool for a game show purpose, like in a lot of reality shows, I, I think it's actually a kind of a downset, and I kind of dislike it a lot, and I kind of shame producers for doing it, because sleep deprivation is, is not no joke, very, very dangerous to do, uh, psychologically and in terms of... of I think it's just a cheap tool to get drama out of people because if you're sleep deprived, uh, you're not really thinking clearly, obviously, because you don't have enough sleep. So it's an easy way for people to maximize drama. So you're a little more cranky, which means you're a little more on edge or you're crying because you haven't gotten sleep. So you're a little more miserable. I don't like that in game shows. I think torturing contestants in certain ways could be enjoyable if we're going for like a distraction kind of thing from here or there. Um... But if it, it's just there just to maximize drama or just to laugh at or just to make people go insane, it, it doesn't work. So we do not know what's going to happen uh, with, with this uh, game show called Awake. Uh, based on what uh, someone's uh, light designer has posted, uh, there's going to be bathtubs full of quarters and you can Scrooge McDuck your way into them. I, I don't know if that's going to be part of it or just something else. I, did the contestants go? I have to go to an arcade machine? I don't know. Did they just win 4 million quarters? I don't know. It just got announced uh, earlier this week, and I just decided to bring it up because we did bring up a bit of a 24-hour game show uh, last week with a million-second quiz breakdown. Uh, wasn't that fun? Exciting, though. The New York parade, uh, New York Times Square drop with with rain that was not exciting. If only they had a Mercedes-Benz parking lot. Anyway, uh, we, we have a good episode today because we're about to get into a good deep dive into the most requested game show I have gotten so far making this podcast. Uh, for starters, I just want to give a quick shout out. Our friend Shane, uh, who's a big casting guy nowadays, he, he decided to send me a whole lot of requests uh, a lot of Nickelodeon game shows because Shane is a big Nickelodeon nerd, and I welcome him on the show if he wants to talk about Nickelodeon shows. But one that he brought up, as well as Clueless Yeast of the Jack BB forums. Uh, thank you, Clueless Yeast of Jack Allison's Jack BB forums. Uh, is this game show that I, I wanted to save for a while. Uh, and I figure, you know, let's ring in the new year for a big hit. Let's let's do a good episode. This is one of my favorite game shows of all time. Uh, a lot of people who don't really know much about game shows as much as I do also bring it up from time to time as that one obscure show. But I, I honestly think it, it's just a, a bona fide hit, uh, one that could be revived at any point, and it is called Supermarket Sweep. Let me tell you about Supermarket Sweep. Lots of people, when they think of Supermarket Sweep, will start with the 90s edition with David Ruprecht, but we're going to start actually with the original version. That's right. A lot of people, much like Jeopardy, have this weird mindset that it only started with Trebek, but it actually goes back to the olden days of game shows. The original game show 
was actually in 1965, hosted by one Bill Malone. Uh, and it, it plays a little different than a supermarket sweep we do know and love, if you've ever seen it, like a rerun on Buzzer or whatever. Uh, it, it goes like this. There's still three teams of two people, but this time around, uh, instead of like trivia questions or whatever, it basically was kind of like The Price is Right, where there were four items, and the uh, contestants had to basically guess how much that item was worth. And they had to put in like dollars and cents. It's the 1950s, so anything could be like from five cents to a dollar thirty or something. And whoever was closest to that would get a bonus fifteen seconds. Now they started with a minute thirty seconds, uh, but Bill Malone basically told everyone at the it got everyone got like a little checkout uh, machine, kind of like a, like kind of like the grocery game that we talked about last week. So uh, essentially, it's like uh, here is uh, some baking soda. How much for the baking soda? Please enter, uh, what was his phrase? Please check out on your machine what you think is the exact retail price. And then they would put in like 55 cents, 40 cents, whatever. Then he would announce like, and the actual retail price is 65 cents. Mr. and Mrs. Blank, you've won the baking soda. And they get 15 seconds and they get a supply of baking soda. Hey, that's a prize. <laughs> yeah. So as the, they only got 15 seconds of time each, that meant that there was a bonus minute to go around. Now, that means that up to 2 minutes, 30 seconds could be played. It was a two-part game show, essentially, and of course, a lot of this was, you know, sponsored content. This is the item, and that was your product placement. So after the, the four uh, items, and guess the price, 15 seconds each, of course, we would go into the second round, the one that everyone knows, the supermarket sweep. Now, with the three people and their, their time on the clock, one would be the runner, and they would go on the shopping spree throughout the market with the time accumulated from that first half of the game. Now, uh, in this time around, there's also pendants. So kind of like, you know, your old-timey college days, there'd be little supermarket sweep pendants with money amounts on them, ranging from $10 to $100 on them and they'd be spread throughout the supermarket. After each contestant ran their sweep, the value of groceries and bonus items was determined. The team with the highest total not only uh, won the, the groceries they accumulate and the bonuses they picked up, they'd also return the next episode. So that's right. Uh, in the olden days of supermarket sweep, the contestants not only <laughs> win the money, they win the groceries as well. Uh, this was played at an actual supermarket as well. This was played, because this is the 1950s, at Food Fair, uh, a beloved food chain that swept all across the country. So I decided to just uh, look into the Food Fair. Food Fair, also known by its successor named Pantry Raid, was a large supermarket chain in the United States, founded by Samuel N. Friedland, opened its first store in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in the late 1920s, and as of 1957, Food Fair had 275 stores, and at its peak, a chain had more than 500 stores, uh, Freeland's family retained control of the farm during 1978 when the chain entered bankruptcy. So 78 was its bankruptcy year. And according to a Wikipedia article, which, you know, is always truthful, uh, the Fresh Pork name is also operated under New York City since 2009. is a member of Key Food, not really related to that of Food Fair, but it comes around to that. <clears throat> uh, so that is the, the, the Food Fair of the 1960s supermarket sweep. So in the 50s, 60s edition of Supermarket Sweep, this was played at an actual supermarket with supermarket items, and it's basically a precursor to that of the days of The Price is Right doing grocery items. 
uh, the price is right at the time doing this was the one bid rounds with Bill Cullen. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about Supermarket Sweep. And it played exactly like the Supermarket Sweep you remembered in the modern era of 90s. Uh, where it was people running through supermarkets and there was these action sports cameras in little aisles and announcer going, here's Betty grabbing the meats, grabbing the cheese. And unlike the other, the supermarket sweep that you know, this was because this was the 50s, 60s, everything was to the nearest sense as well. Now, sense would also be shown in the first season of the 90s supermarket sweep, I believe in the pilot stage. But here uh, it is just your usual go around so hey in supermarket sleep in the 50s 60s they did win a win all that meat but in the 90s edition nope no it did not oh well uh so so another thing that made it a little different is of course the hosts uh bill malone is no david ruprecht but david malone did have this energy with him that made it seem like he was always on the contestant's side and it was almost like essentially the same as what David Ruprecht would become on Supermarket Sweep, where he plays the host, but he also acts kind of like that manager at the supermarket. How are you? Do you need any help? Uh, so with Supermarket Sweep in the 50s, 60s, he, of course, wore a suit. When we go into the 90s edition, well, boy, we're going to talk a whole lot of David Ruprecht costumes on this episode. All right. So, uh... The, the, the 1967 version uh, was uh, the, the, the uh, it was aired on ABC. Uh, when it ended in 1967, you know, that, that kind of uh, st- stopped it. Now, there were a couple announcers at the time of the 66 edition. Uh, Wally King, King was an announcer, as was Richard Hayes. And uh, for some, at some time, there was actually Johnny Olson. Johnny Olson uh, was a substitute uh, voice for Supermarket Sweep before he became the voice of The Price is Right in the earliest days of the Bob Barker era. So it goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen in the fantastic world of game shows. But now we got to go straight into uh, Supermarket Sweep's big revival. Al Howard Productions. The, the, the team that brought us Supermarket Sweep is also bringing us the David Ruprecht edition. So in its pilot episode of Supermarket Sweep, because we got to talk about pilots here, it played a little bit like the 60s edition and merged with the new edition. So instead of Food Fair, because Food Fair was a notoriously East Coast supermarket chain, this one was based off the Hughes family markets. Um, the Hughes family markets uh, were, were, of course, like a little chain in the like the late 80s uh, eventually it got bought up by ralph's in 1998 uh so this one aired in the lifetime channel that's where you probably first saw it was on lifetime before it probably went to pax and or syndication you never know so uh in the pilot era uh it, it, it kind of was was the same but different it, it, it's kind of weird to explain it was played in two halves in the first half was similar to the pilot episode where there were items from the supermarket and you had to guess what the value was. Whoever was closest didn't get 15 seconds. Instead, they got just 10 seconds, which of course be a staple of the main game show. But the fifth item was played for 15 seconds on the clock. Now in either of these things, if it was the first four items or it was an exact on the fifth item, the time would be double, which means 20 seconds or 30 seconds. Of course, that 30 seconds would also get to double if it was within 10 cents of the correct answer. 
But after round one, round two was a buzzin to answer question round. Questions uh, were worth 10 seconds, but there was a bit of jeopardy involved, where if you were incorrect, you would lose 10 seconds on your clock. There was no big round robin game, which we'll explain in a bit what round robin is. At the big sweep, contestants can grab more than one bonus item in the pilot, which was in the outset, which made it possible $350 for each team. For the bonus sweep, clues shared a common theme. Uh, the answer to these clues were never revealed on screen. So it's basically one led to one thing, which led to one other. So it's kind of like Davy Crockett or a, a raccoon cap. So you gotta get something that was related to that. And then he went to Lincoln Log Cabin. So you gotta get some Lincoln Log maple syrup or something. Uh, of course, there was still the $5,000 to find. Uh, that was uh, what made it so weird. Uh, in addition, there was also like mystery product rounds. Like, can you figure out what the item is? And the pendants were still there. The original pendants with the money mounts were still hidden around there. Um, the bonus items on the pilot uh, were also a little different because the bigger money pendants, uh, you couldn't grab the pendant. You had to grab the bonus item associated with it. So the idea was supposed to be how hilarious it is that you're carrying around a giant mannequin with the pendant. That's That was silly. Ha-ha! That eventually led to the, the game itself and the big bonus prizes. After the pilot at Hughes Family Market, it would be course be mocked in modeled into an actual studio because we can't actually go into an actual supermarket. So what they did was they, in the first season, they modeled it after the Hughes Family Market and it was filmed at Hollywood Center Studios. Uh, and, and it was a very cheap show to produce. So uh, the first uh, episodes aired from February 5th, 1990 to June 16th, 1995. The reruns would keep airing until August 14th, 1998. So eventually there was going to be a revival, but shh, don't tell anyone about that, that woo period where no one not thought it was was off the air. Whoa, that would just blow people's minds. Anyway, so uh, we got to start with the David Ruprecht version of Supermarket Suit, the one everyone knows. So <clears throat> here we go. Here's how the base... Uh, rule of supermarket sweep worked if we're going to the David Ruprecht edition. David Ruprecht would, of course, wear a lot of weird sweaters that, I mean, I, I will say, can we no longer use the term Cosby sweater? Can we start calling them uh, the David Ruprecht sweater? Because I think that that would best explain it. I mean, later on, he would go on to wear a, a, like a little shirt and tie looking like a general manager, but I, I'd say we should just call it the Ruprecht sweaters these days because holy moly, those designs... Okay, so we introduce our three contestants. Who's got the Oreo cookies? Okay, you're on. Who's got the Clarisil? Okay, you're on. And who's got the Fiber One? Okay, and you're on. It's time to play Supermarket Sweep. So we get introduced to David Ruprecht. Hi, everyone. Uh, and then we get to uh, get introduced to the supermarket. Uh, and the best way to do that is instead of, you know, let's introduce contestants first, let's just get straight into the game with a mini-sweep. The mini-sweep is an interesting way uh, to introduce the contestants because it's kind of like a toss-up round, but not really. So uh, David Ruprecht would introduce like a little clue to an item. Now, it could just be like a generic thing, or it could be the name 
is related to a brand. Uh, for instance, uh, let's just go off the top of our head here. Uh, if you want a candy bar that is sure to give you the kicks, get the two for the price of one candy bar, known simply as... And then someone will buzz in and say Twix. And then ding, ding, ding. All right, that's right. You get 10 seconds. Everyone starts out with, I believe, a minute. And I think it's a minute or a minute 30. Let me double check. It was a minute 30. Okay. So they start out with their minute 30. They get bonus 10 seconds uh, for getting that right. And now they have a chance to actually add money to their sweep total. Of course, as we know, the big supermarket sweep is the big finale of the show. So what they have to do now is to earn some bonus money. I believe it's fifty dollars. Uh, they have to find a specifically marked package of Twix, or whatever is the generic item. But whatever. Uh, if, if they get if they get it within twenty seconds, I believe they double it to a hundred dollars. But that's in later seasons. Uh, then we get introduced to all the contestants. Hi, I'm a college student. We're studying medicine. Oh, that's great. And uh, we're a mother-daughter couple. Oh, that's wonderful. And we're a couple of roommates. Sure you are. All right. And then we get into uh, the split-off. On Supermarket Sweep, when they did it this way, uh, it's played with essentially three rounds. Uh, in round one, it, it's played with one of the partners. So because every contest, it's a pair of three people. And in the first game, it's played with one of each player. In round two, it's played with the other three. And then the round robin game is played with both of them going back and forth. So question rounds are, are interesting. Uh, there's a whole lot of variety of them. I'm going to just try my best to get through as many as I can remember. And then if I forget, it's okay. So... <clears throat> Uh, for instance, uh, here is three items. Which of these retails for less than $3 or more than $3? Is it one, two, or three? If they each, and they all get to lock in their answer. If they're right, uh, they get 10 seconds. If all three of them lock in with the same answer and they're right, they all get 30 seconds. Uh, and that would be one quick, easy game as a pricing game that's not necessarily guess the price and be exactly right. In addition, there were such things as, such as there's another game where it was just there's six answers and then there is ways that they explain the questions. Uh, such as if, if there were uh, different, like different six different brands and then David Ruprecht would give a jingle or a slogan. You'd buzz in and say what the item is. Uh, or uh, it was six items and it was like a fill in the blank. So, you know, red, orange, yellow, blue, green, purple. And then he would say something like blank giant. So you buzz in and say green for green giant would be one of those games. And if you buzz in, you're right, you get 10 seconds. That was essentially the one of the games. Or something that was similar to uh, Wipeout uh, or Hot Potato, whatever you want to think about it, where there is six answers and only three or four match a criteria. So contestants have to buzz in and then say their guess. And if they're right, they get 10 seconds. If they're wrong, they get locked down. And the others can steal and get more seconds. Uh, there's one called Three Right, where there were six answers and three of them were right. You so everyone had a chance to get 10 seconds. That was kind of the idea. 
there were other games such as some word variety where there was like the first four letters or a random scramble word and there was a clue and you had to spell it backwards or spell it forwards. It, 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 things like that very much were the cause of supermarket sweeps round one or round two. Uh, there's also a this or that or a true or false game. Uh, there were also some silly things like if there were animals buzzing and, you know, neigh or moo or or oink if it's related to a cow, a pig, or... Because silly, it's fun. There were, like, food items and determine which one had the least grams of fat. Uh, there were celebrity games where it was, like, we read, we read a People magazine, can you figure out the movie? Uh, there were proverb game. There was a there was a county fair where they was figure out what a gadget was that sold at the supermarket. Uh, there was uh, twisted, which is basically synonyms or anonyms that replaced a word. Uh, on the game show wiki, they're assigned that cow's ear is a clue for bull's eye barbecue sauce. You get that? It's, it's all brands and silly fun. Um. The two that a lot of people remember are the 30-second shootout game and the snack attack game. 30-second uh, shootout was kind of a later on game. I believe it was played in round one, sometimes in round two. I think it was likely round two. Uh, in this, it was essentially both contestants would, would jump in and play a game. So instead of an individual game, it was a paired game where one of the pairs gets the word and it's like a six or seven letter word. Uh, so it would be like either a fruit, a vegetable, a brand, whatever. And they had to get contestants to say a, a word. When it's spelled out, it would, you know, uh, spell out a name of a brand. For instance, uh, if we will say uh, Pringles, Pringles, like like the, the stacking potato chip, uh, you would see like potato, you would see rotten, you will see ice. You will see, uh, you will see, uh, how do you spell Pringles? <laughs> oh, uh, 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 let's go with necklace, uh, gold, uh, then lettuce, uh, eagle, and then sushi. And, and the contestant can just basically pyramid style it with 30 seconds, I think 40 seconds, and just start, like, saying stuff. Get the contestant to say something, so. Uh, it's a vegetable for chips. Uh, pr potato. Pea. Things like that. Uh, when the time runs out, they had to guess what the word is. If they're right, I believe the prize was 30 seconds. However, uh, if they gave an illegal clue, such as saying the word exact or saying the actual brand name, you know, Pringles. Uh, they would uh, disqualify themselves and get no points. Um, other times it was photos. But one of my favorites was, of course, the taste test. It was called Snack Attack Movie Game. Three questions were worth 10 seconds each, but the player who answered the last of the three questions earned a right to play taste test, where they got to taste a food item on the market and have to correctly identify what that item is. If they were right, they would get a bonus, $50 for the big sweep. Uh, if the contestant guessed right on the second guess, they would earn 25 bucks. In some cases, only a 50-50 chance. Uh, that, that, that was one of my favorites, just because it's kind of just like figuring out if something is ruffles or lays, 
And it's like, even if you didn't taste it, you could see the ridges. You could figure it out by yourself through clear deduction. Uh, same thing would happen with the video library as well. If I may read from the Game Show Wiki. <clears throat> beginning in Season 3, a mini-sweep was played at the beginning of the first round. A toss-up question, usually a rhyming couplet, was asked with a particular product as the answer. The team that correctly answered the question earned 10 seconds, as well as a chance for one team member to run to the market to retrieve the product. If the product was returned within 30 seconds, that team won $50 for the sweep total. In the mini-sweep's later playing, the product then marked with the Supermarket Sweep logo. And from that point on... Players now had to find the specifically marked item to receive credit. If the team member returned with the incorrect product, the correct product that was not marked with the Supermarket Sweep logo, later changed to the show's cart emblem in 1993 on it, or the right item but ran out of time before it could be found all or no bonus. If the contestant found the item, fell out of the product, the clash bonus is still counted. In Season 4, the bonus was count doubled to $100, and the product was brought back within 20 seconds, with the clock counting up and starting out in green, then switching to red in 21. Uh, in season five, a second mini sweep was added to the beginning of the second round and was later used only during special weeks in the PAX version. Prior season five, the contestant won either cash bonus and oval shaped tech displayed the current amount was placed in front of the card in the show's final segment when the moment of truth took effect. All right. So we introduced ourselves to the mini sweep. Uh, we introduced to some of the mini games and then we will get to the Second to last round, before the big finale that everyone knows and loves. It was called the Round Robin Game. Uh, of course, it was, even though it was called the Round Robin Game, because they can go back and forth. Partners would switch after every question. Technically, if you ask me, the game was called Scrambled Letters. Because usually when David Ruprecht introduced the segment, it was called the Round Robin Scrambled Letters Game. Uh, it would be a something that was a brand in the store, but the words were jumbled up. And he would give three clues as to what the items were. And these were kind of small clues to figure out, like, if the item was, you know, a, a snack food or a cleaning supply or or diapers. You never know. Uh, so, so if it, for instance, because I always love giving examples on this show, uh, if, if there was something... Uh, let's just say uh, the correct answer was, uh, let, let's say, let's go something modern. Let's go vitamin water. Because, you know, it's vitamin water. It's delicious. It's it's a fruity drink. Um, <clears throat> you would say things like, uh, you, you would say something like refreshing. And then the second clue would be uh, healthy. And then the third would be electrolytes. Healthy. Refreshing. Electrolytes. Boo boop. Vitamin water. Things like that uh, would be on the scramble letters. Uh, in the Lifetime era, the Terry Farmet was used with five clues and given no scramble name. Uh, in Round Robin, we originally consisted of four questions, meaning 40 seconds of time, but was lengthened to six seconds on September 3rd, 1990's episode to give all three teams a chance to earn up to 60 seconds. That means a full minute of time. All right, so after the round robin game, this is the big part. Who's going to run the big sweep? And the three people who are going to be the runners would raise their hands, and David Ruprecht would say, you, you, and you. Okay, in just a few minutes, these people are going to go wild through the aisles, 
in the hopes of trying to find that $5,000. That's right, unlike the 60s edition of the show, in this one, it's played with two halves of the final round, the supermarket sweep round and that bonus round. Whoever got the most money at the end of the supermarket sweep round would go on to play the bonus game for $5,000. So the big supermarket sweep is called the big sweep for everyone who wants to be a game show nerd and try to correct me and go, well, Jordan, it's not called the supermarket sweep round. It's called the big sweep, I'll have you know. Yeah, it's the big sweep. We Thank you, corrections. Uh, the big sweep was the chance for the teams throughout the supermarket to take products from the shelves. Within seconds, they had to earn the game. Uh, one player was the runner. The other one was basically just the moral support and kind of like the coach telling them which aisles to go to. Um, the clock was set at the leading time. So whoever had the most time at the end of game, at the beginning of the game, so it's kind of like if someone got two minutes, 20 seconds, and they got a minute 40, and they got a minute 30, the two minutes and 20 seconds would start the clock and it would take down until it gets to like one minute 40, in which case team two would go, and then we waste more time and then team three would go. Uh, that's what, and of course, as you know, the teams, and this is what made the show so campy, uh, the teams would wear different costumes. Now, in Infamous Supermarket Sweep, they would wear the infamous Supermarket Sweep sweaters. Now, everyone was wondering what the, if there was like a white collared shirt they wore underneath. No, they actually had to wear dickies under there. Originally, whoever was in third place would get the yellow sweaters, whoever was in second place would get the red sweaters, and the first place person would get a nice blue sweater. Each of those had a nice number on them to let them know they were in third, second, or first place, along with accompanying super, uh, you know, little shopping cart that had the three, two, and one on there to let them know their team one, team two, or team three. Uh, in later episodes, uh, as you, you might have established, the sweater colors would become... Uh, team three would get yellow, team two would get the blue, and then the winning, the biggest team gets the red with the number one. I don't know why the color change. I, look, it's it's one of those things where it's just, you know, when a color changes, a lot of people just go, oh, oh no, I don't like change. But, it, you know, red, blue, yellow, it, it's it's all a color. They could all wear matching colors for all I know. Um, but, but... That that breaks for a real intense game uh, when when you know three two one go with team one team two and then team three. In the event of a tie, both teams would go at the same time. So if they both had two minutes on the clock, they both would go at the two minute clock. That, that that's something that makes it exciting. There were three big rules to the big sweep. On rule one. The teams could only take up to five of each item. This was never the case in the 60s edition of Supermarket Sweep, which was no limit. Take as much as you like. And that, of course, meant that there were about 15 items in the market, which means that at any point, anyone could have an even playing field. Everyone could have five dish detergents. Everyone could have five meats or five cheeses. Uh, in addition, if an item was knocked off a shelf or damaged of some way, the runner who did that damage had to either replace the item on the shelf or put it in their cart. If they did not, there would be a $25 penalty for each item that was damaged. Teams are also penalized for running into supermarket displays, hitting cameramen, or any other personnel along their sweep. Only the runners could be inside the market at the time. The partners were required to remain at the checkout counter behind a red restraining line and unload the groceries unless specifically allowed to cross it by producers. 
Uh, for instance, if something was dropped nearby, they could pick it up. Uh, if there was a bonus moneymaker that involved a partner, such as can stacking or recycling machine, uh, they, they, they can't really jump in there unless, you know, there was some, some incident that occurred, like they accidentally bumped into it. Uh, that then they're okay. It's always at the production at the production's discretion. So uh, before we get into, they run through the aisles and collect stuff and all that. Season one is really kooky. Uh, I, I, I gotta get through all the bad stuff first. Uh, season one had instead of in, with, along with the three contestants and pendants, uh, which in this case were kind of lighter but they were still giant pendants attached to inflatables. I think that's something that a lot of people who watch Supermarket Sweep just remember is contestants running around with a giant inflatable Pillsbury Doughboy with like a big bonus sticker on it. Uh, the, the pendants were attached to the inflatable with the sticker on it, which made no sense why that would be, but sure. Um, but in addition to the pendants sticking around, uh, and they're only limited one per customer uh, in this time around, uh, they also had weird customers. Weird customers who were essentially just poor PAs or maybe interns at the production company. Uh, one was dressed as a Frankenstein monster. One was a gorilla. And one was this weird looking like crumb guy with like eyeballs on his hands named Mr. Yuck. And I thought that was a weird name because Mr. Yuck is that, you know, those stickers that people would put on their like bleach and, and laundry detergent to make sure kids don't drink it because mr yuck is mean mr yuck is green blah um of course uh their idea was supposed to be to scare the contestants to leave an aisle which made for their strategy to just be like pac-man and go away um of course, this didn't really add to the fun because now it's, well, they have to waste time going around. They can't really be in the coffee aisle. They can't really go into the diaper aisle or whatever. So it didn't really make for an interesting strategy. I think much like early days with the here's the mannequin to drag around, it was kind of there to add some comedy value to the sweep that would essentially just be contestants throwing stuff in the cart, and then running around. Uh, it, it didn't make for exciting play, and was quickly scrapped midway through season one uh, into the big sweep that we know and love to this day. Um, the big sweep was values ranging from $50 to $200, later $250, and then later $300. There was a super, super bonus. Uh, so the big sweep was, had various, uh, games. So of course there was maybe two minutes and 20 seconds or two minutes, 30 seconds on the clock. Cause you only got roughly maybe two minutes of extra time available. If you're player luck correctly and play a perfect game. So roughly a lot of time contestants had roughly two minutes and like 10 seconds or two minutes and 20 seconds to do their run. Uh, so so while they were running around grabbing whatever is their most expensive items, which, you know, includes everything from the infamous meat to the big wheels of cheese to diapers to garden supplies like garden hoses. The, the secret is, of course, the beauty supplies because beauty supplies are very tiny. But the catch is that only women know how much they really cost and that they're in the store. Uh, <clears throat> 
once time expired, uh, that's it. So if you had a bonus item, you had to bring it across to the checkout line. You couldn't leave it in your cart. That's the only uh, clue. So what you saw tends to be contestants would run and grab an item, put it in their cart, and try to fill in the cart so that way when they run back to get a second cart, because they still have maybe a minute left on their clock, they would replenish and already have a bonus item in play. That, that's kind of the idea. Uh, so what made the Big Sweep so special was that Along the way in the big sweep, because, you know, while there is the big running around in the aisles, which is everyone's dream in a supermarket, just go crazy and just start dumping in because it's such a slow process going into a supermarket. You're standing behind people. People are, are like, trying to figure out which, which coffee to grab or people are checking the milk dates and it's so boring and you just want to get in and get out. A lot of people want that. They just want to get in and get out. And Supermarket Sweep was that aspirational fantasy. So for this show, it was basically you have two minutes to just go crazy and grab stuff. In addition to grab as much items that is as expensive as possible, there were mini games to be played for bonus money. In addition to whoever had the mini sweep bonus, if that was one, there were other ways to make money. Of course, there was grabbing a big inflatable bonus, which could be anywhere from $50 to $50, so as we explained. But there was also the infamous coffee. Uh, in the coffee, you just basically had to put some coffee beans into a bag, ground the bag, and then put it in your cart. It took a lot of time, though, but in, in that season, if you got it right, you get 100 bucks, and then later become $200. Um, uh, oh, for the first time around, it was kind of hidden in a way that there's no other way to get any more money but in later seasons they put the coffee grounds in the coffee aisle which meant that as you were grinding you can let it just grind for a bit and you know start grabbing some stuff around it like sugar and and other coffee cups uh then there was the candy uh where you had to get exactly one dollar worth of candy because it was measured by the pound so you had to scoop and then measure it and then scoop and then measure it. And you can only be off by like 0.1. Uh, if you were right, you got $100 later, $200. Um, actually, two cents over. So it was, it was, uh, so it was 0.98 or 102. Uh, bonus was still earned for the $100 or $200. In the lifetime version, contestants simply used a paper bag. But in the PAX version, players used a plastic bag and then were required to use a twist tie to seal the bag in order to get credit for the bonus. Then there was, uh, and then there's something infamous that goes into any generation of Supermarket Sweep. Uh, this is the shopping list uh, before the big sweep was listed. And this is something that I thought added to the show. Because if you're going to a supermarket, of course, you're going to have a shopping list. So David Ruprecht would list off three items. And if you found all three items, you would get 250 bucks. And later, when it was called the Alphabet Game, but it was with three consecutive items. For instance, an NOP. So uh, N for, say, Neosporin, or O for uh, Orangina beverage, and then um, P for uh, Pine Sol. You had to get all three, and, and the time runs out, and you get $300. Uh, that, that's it. Uh, uh, that, that, that also was an interesting game. Uh, and there was also like a mini basket on those for, for the alphabet game to make it easier for the contestants to figure out what the items were.
Of course, the whole, uh, you know, grab these three items would later be, because it's a memory game, would later be introduced in a different way, such as a magazine display where they want four different magazines, like Give Me a Sports Illustrated, a People magazine, Entertainment Weekly, and L. Um, or there was Jelly Bean, Jelly Belly, Jelly Beans, where it's I want some very cherry, I want some tutti fruity, and I want some pineapple. Or there was the bread center. I want two poppy seed bagels. I want one German pretzel. And then I want some Kaiser rolls. Something like that would also be in play. In addition, there was also then, say, uh, like a fruit fantasy. There's the big fruits. And I want like four apples, three oranges, two bananas. Something like that. Then there was also like uh, one where it was like a tutti frutti yogurt thing where I want... A pe- like pina colada on the bottom i want vanilla in the middle and i want chocolate on top or there was the fruit fan uh there was the breakfast break where they had to get five breakfast items which all had to be placed in mini baskets and then two breakfast items were changed because it made it a little easier um then there was the instant coupon because at the time uh you know these little coupon machines because this is the 90s there was these little weird machine coupons that would like be a little computer and you would pull it out and it would print out stuff uh then what would happen is uh if you found all three items on the little coupon book you get 250 bucks and that was kind of the idea uh so it was basically you had to find all three items worth 250 bucks uh, then there is a cake where they had to decorate a cake uh, it, it, within the two minutes and 30 seconds or whatever much they had time. Uh, for instance, you had you basically had to get a deck of cake and then you had to squeeze out and then sh- like make it say supermarket sweep and then one, two, or three, whatever is your team number. Then there was uh, the other infamous uh, prize, which people might remember, is the TV mystery products. So in some of these aisles... Uh, there was basically three TV monitors. Uh, you push a button, and it would give a one-word clue. Uh, for instance, it might say uh, instant coffee Nestle or something. So then you know you have to get Nestle instant coffee. Or so runners had to find a product using clues displayed in these three television monitors. The bonus was later changed to use two television monitors in 2001 which allowed other money makers using the TV monitor, such as splitting the name, which half of the product's name was on each of the two items, in a $300 movie in which David would, say, activate the TV monitors over the house speaker during the sweep, and the clues would be available for the contestants, in which there would be a single copy of the movie located in the movie section. Originally, the monitors were touchscreen, but often the clue would take too long to appear, taking up a contestant's shopping time. So this was later changed to places to changing the buttons below the monitors, a contestant can receive their clues simply by pushing the monitor's buttons, which also activated red lights surrounding the buttons. Early episodes of this game didn't reveal what the name of the product was if nobody found it. Uh, so that was 300 movie. Then there was the other infamous one where there was the manager special. Uh, you probably remember this one too if you ever saw Supermarket Sweep. There was this giant bucket of like canned food. And uh, like midway through the sweep, a siren would break, and then on a loudspeaker, David Ruprecht would go... Because, uh, you know, the whole gimmick is David Ruprecht is the manager of the supermarket. And this is his manager special. Uh, the, there is a red tag special. Uh, if you find a red X, you would be rewarded with $200. <clears throat>
So I don't know if there was just one or three, and I think there's variants depending on which episode where you had to find the can that had the one on it, if you're team one or team two, um, or there was one of the red star. So he would give in a loudspeaker like, Bruce's canned yams, something like that would be the the manager special. And if you had time, you would run around. Uh, there was all these sorts of cans because it's, it's canned food. Not a lot of people would shop and get the canned food anyway if it's in the aisle because it's not really big money items but on this it, it, it kind of gives them a, at least a way to use this item uh in the big bucket of cans there's like a rubber chicken or a fake plastic spooky hand and and of course there is the red star if you found it and put it in your basket when before time is up you get two hundred dollars there was the stack job where a runner would find a bag of soda cans and then give it to their partner at the checkout line and have them make a big stack of 21 cans, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Uh, if they can get the stack done within time, they would get 100 bucks or 150 bucks. It was something that basically gave them time to do something as the person was running. Uh, there was also the recycling machine, which was similar. You had to find the bag of cans, and there were 10 of them. You'd give it to your partner, and then they would run over to the recycling machine and crush 10 cans if they can do that. They would get a hundred bucks. There was the super sandwich, which was kind of like the bread corner, where David Ruprecht would want a sandwich, and it's like I want it with pastrami and, and ham and salami and pepperoni, and I want pepper jack and I want jack cheese, and I also want to make sure that you have ketchup, then mayonnaise, and mustard, and then if you did all basically in this configuration, you get two hundred dollars. Uh, there was also the sweep swipe or market madness where there was basically like candy or like the, the Tootsie Roll sweet. And then basically all you had to do was basically uh, put, pick up these little mini suitcases and put it on your respective table, uh, which meant if there was one uh, on your table, you would get 50 bucks. But if both were on your table, you'd get 100 bucks. Uh, eventually, it was, you know, $200 for the sweep swipe, 250 for Market Madness. There was also the Cracker Jackpot, or Jolly Time is Money, where there was just a whole big box of Jolly Time popcorn or Cracker Jack boxes, and you would have to open up the boxes, but instead of finding, you know, a really cheap, crappy prize, uh, you would find essentially this uh, a supermarket sweep symbol for $200. Then there was a bonus envelope, which is also one of my favorite games. So midway through the, the sweep, uh, instead of like the the manager special, Ruprecht would give like essentially one of those couplet kind of clues uh, over the loudspeaker. Uh, the contestants would have to hear it, and then if they know where it is, they would find uh, similar to what would be the supermarket sweep uh, money would be a bonus envelope. In that envelope would be another clue, and that clue would lead to essentially the final item. Where if they found it. Uh, they would put the envelope into their cart, and that would be $200. So, so that's kind of... Sometimes it was a food item, other times it was a movie. Uh, then there was the cheer bonus or a laundry detergent, which was just big box of laundry detergent, and those bonus envelopes ranging from $25 to $100 in $25 installments. There was a balloon pop, where three shopping carts of or large garbage bags filled balloons were located in one of the, the back corners of the market runners brought back one of the carts or bags at the checkout and their partners had to pop them their partners had to pop all the balloons before time had expired if so they would receive a token worth 150 bucks uh then there was also in the coupon boxes double or triple 
where if you found them, it would double or triple the value of the selected items. But what they were were a mystery until they were pulled out, uh, which means that, of course, now means that something that was maybe like three bucks would now be worth nine dollars, which could very well, if you buy five of them, make all the difference in the sweep. Uh, when the time runs out, uh, that's when everyone has to go back. If the inflatable bonus did not show up past that little red line, it does not count. If things fell, you know, all those uh, penalties would be rung up. And then we have to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to reveal who won the big sweep. But we're back on the show. So uh, in other versions, they would have like a little segment where they would, you know, scan the items and have a fun dance. But on this version, they just, they've already scanned all the items. And we're going to reveal who won the big sweep. Uh, on the big tally up on the board... Uh, it would originally be displayed on an actual uh, checkout counter, but later on would be a, a CGI cartoonish looking cash register. Uh, all the values are routed up to the nearest dollar. Uh, according to a fun fact on the Game Show Wiki, the record for the highest grand total was $2,254, set in the ninth and final season in 2002. All right. So whoever won the most money with bonus items and big sweep and all that goes on to play for the $5,000. That's kind of it. In season one, the tolls include cents. Rest, it was rounded off to nearest dollar, with cents only coming to play in the event of a tie. So if both people had $2, like $1,421, then they would go into the cents for the tie. Um... So, so that, that's kind of what, where the, the game goes. We start with Team 3, and then we work with Team 2, and then finally Team 1. Uh, David would remind people the bonuses they've won. Like, hey, you won $50 in the first mini-sweep. You won $50 in the second mini-sweep. How much is that bonus? $150. Bucks. You got a ground coffee for $100. Already, you are currently at uh, $300. With that bonus and your groceries, if it's more than $1,024, you win the game. And uh, and your sweep total is $1,400. Yay! Originally, in the third tally-up, now an on-screen capture graphic, which was originally in the center and started at blank. In the second wave of Season 5, the graphics displayed the word sweep. Later on, it would just say the word total. Um... So whoever, so here here comes the uh, annoying part. Uh, the, not only do the contestants not win their food, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, unlike the 50s and 60s editions, they do not get to keep all that meat. No, uh, if they were runners up, second, third place, even if they got those bonuses in the mini games, they don't get any money. Only the person who was in first place gets to keep the cash. Second and third teams, uh, they get a consolation prize of the sweaters they were wearing that day. So if you were, you know, second place and third place, you got a sweater that said two and three on it, which is nice, I guess. Uh, you don't get to keep any money, but you get a sweater. Whoever won the big sweep, however, does not get to keep the, the sweaters. They have to return them. That's kind of weird. Um, but they did win money. So they got to keep the cash, and now they have the chance to win the $5,000 in the bonus sweep. The team has 60 seconds and three clues to help them out. 
Before the the game, they were chosen between one of three envelopes which contained their first clue. Um, this this basically uh, make the game a little easier. This is also something along the ways of with game shows, with stacking the deck to make things even grounds for everyone. Uh, so they got one of three bonus envelopes, and they would read the first clue. Uh, the second clue was affixed to the first product. The third clue was on the second product. If the team found the third product, they would find a fanned out five thousand uh, dollars. Originally, finding just the product won the money, but later on, a fan of play money was behind the product. And if they found that product before one of the other products, the team would be automatically disqualified. But after the first two seasons, the team that found the five thousand dollars too soon were just reminded to find all three products, then return to find the money. If the team was unsuccessful, the team won $200 per product. The team would have their ha- must have their hands on the money before the bell sounded. The record for fastest bonus sweep win was 28 seconds since season 3 in 1991, which happened to be a $10,000 Super Sweep of Champions episode. We'll get into that in just a, a bit. <laughs> clues had several formats in the series. Some clues were two rhymes that described the product, and its brand name is Final Missing Word on the Rhyme. Other clues used a play on words of the product's title. Others had important words underlined. On occasion, clues led to a household item other than cleaners, a movie in the movie rack, a fruit or vegetable in the produce section, a flower on a special kiosk located in the front of the supermarket that was used only during the bonus sweep, or a green card near the magazine rack. So, uh, for instance, uh, if we can do a quick on-the-cuff uh, bonus sweep, uh, here, here we go. <clears throat> you you uh, can... Hello, listener. I'm, I'm Jordan Haas. I'm, I'm going to play host real quick for the simulation version of the bonus round of Supermarket Sweep. Uh, pretend you've won the big sweep and play along with me, shall you? Want a treat? Be sure to make you munch. Reach for the candy bar known as blank. Blank being crunch. Go, go, go. You got to go get the crunch bar. Yeah. Okay. Then you, you know, you're going to waste like 10 seconds. You're, you're probably over in, in a different aisle. You're looking at fun size crunch bars, not actual full, like regular candy bars. And then you find the crunch candy bar. And then you're going to read the second clue. Second clue says, don't think of mink, but do think of father blank blank. And then, you know, what's mink? And then Father pops, otter pops, and then you have to run and grab some otter pops. Okay, so then you find the big cardboard box of otter pops. You're probably screaming at your your partner because time is running out for $5,000. Now you have 12 seconds left. Questioning what body spray to use? Be sure to blank. Uh, And then you're like questioning a body spray. What do you mean? I don't understand what questioning means. And then time would run out, or or you would find it out that it's axe, like axing a question, like like ask axe axe body spray. If you found the money in time, you would celebrate, and then you would hear sirens, and it would sound like you just robbed the fucking uh, grocery store. Woo 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 woo. <clears throat> or if you unfortunately cannot find the money, you would have to go back to the checkout line where David Ruprecht would go. Oh, man. I, oh, so close. Well, let me see the clue again. Questioning a body spray. 
Well, if you question it, it means you axe, axe body spray, but don't fret. You've got two items, that's $400, plus what you want in the big sweep gives you a grand total today of $1,600. And then the most embarrassing part of the show, David Ruprecht, when he says goodbye, and next time you're at the checkout counter, do you hear the beep? Think about all the fun you could have on Supermarket Sweep. I really hope I put some beeps in in post. Otherwise, that would be very, very embarrassing. So now we're going to get into more gimmicks. So obviously, season one, it didn't work with the monsters and spookiness. Some of these mini games didn't really work out. But then they decided to do some special episodes. And these are tournament games, such as uh, an example is the Sweep of Sweeps Week. Uh, Sweep of Champions is basically like your Tournament Champions episode uh, where uh, five big winners from Supermarket Sweep would return and they would have a bonus bonus sweep for a chance at $10,000, making, you know, $15,000. In addition, there is also the Second Chance Weeks where if there were some beloved contestants that won big money but lost on the $5,000 bonus sweep, they would have a second chance at redemption of getting the $5,000. There's also Gourmet Week which allowed the teams to play for a trip to France. In addition, there's You Can't Lose Week. Like to sweep a champion's second chance episodes, but no bonus sweep was played during this week. But at the end of the week, one team was guaranteed $5,000 after they lost in their first appearance. There's also a Double Your Money Week, where uh, the team with the highest bit, super big sweep total at the end of the final day didn't have to run around on the market looking for $5,000. They automatically doubled their money to $10,000. There's also Mother Daughter Week. Uh, there was also Family Week. There's a Cruise to Paradise Week. Uh, there was a Tournament of Heroes uh, where it was with military people. There's also Twin Car Giveaway uh, where the be- beginning of the show's final season of Lifetime, month long Twin Car Giveaway tournament was held. During the first three weeks of the tournament, a standard game was played each day. There were 12 teams with the highest big sweep totals from these episodes. From the end of the third week, return to the fourth and final week, in which the teams were played in a no-bonus sweep. The six teams the highest big sweep totals during that final week returned to the Friday show to play for a pair of Geo-Trackers. Geo-Trackers. Yay. On the Friday show, the first three teams played an eight-question round robin game, where each correct answer was for 50 bucks toward their sweep total. Each of the first three teams did then have a flat three minutes of the big sweep. The process was repeated for the other three teams. At the end of the show, the team with the highest big sweep total won the two cars, a combined total of more than $25,000, in addition to whatever else that they won on their previous shows. All other teams kept their prior winnings. Team 1, James Durant won a big sweep of 1597, won a grand total of $20,710. Yay! A total of $84,760 in cash prizes won by contestants over a four-week period. So that's, that's tournament things. I don't really care for tournaments. And usually, when it comes to a game show uh, that is usually uh, a one-and-done, a tournament is usually a, a last-ditch effort for a show to try and do something new, and it kills it. For instance, Double Dare did that with their Brains and Brawn-style thing when they did Family Double Dare, and that ended up whacking the show as well. I don't care much for tournaments if they're not in standard play. Otherwise, if you're doing a tournament, make that the show itself, like American Gladiators. Otherwise, it doesn't really do well. I I find it you have to figure out who the contestants are. And with a show like Supermarket Sweep, where they don't really have identities, you don't really get to know who they are. They're not really, like, you know, 
like storytellers, not like Deal or No Deal. They, they're only identified by the numbers, so you're only rooting for red, yellow, or blue. It doesn't really work that way. But I love Supermarket Sweep just for the fact of its aspirational goals of you running through the aisles. In addition to that, I, I do think uh, th- th- there is a, a bit of a cultural relevancy to this. Uh, speaking, of course, to pop culture references. For instance, Laverne and Shirley had an episode called Supermarket Sweep. Because uh, it, it's basically that you have X amount of minutes to get as much items as you can from the thing and come back. That's, that's become a sitcom trope item itself, as well as a, a silly item. Uh, for instance, in the Laverne and Shirley episode, uh, Shalonix, 1 million customers. Uh, the man behind the counter said they want a free shopping spree at the supermarket. They had three minutes to grab and everything they could get their hands on, whatever stuff they had to be over the line to be won. So the duo, of course, shops like crazy. They grab a whole bunch of stuff, but then they get tired and they don't make their items go past the line. So all they won were two small items. You know, that's a silly thing. Uh, Late Night David Letterman had a skit where he was like a coach training people who were contestants on Supermarket Sweep. Uh, You know, grab the meat, get the meat. That was one of those. Also, Married with Children had a two-part You Better Shop Around episode where Alan Peggy compete against a rival in a shopping spree in a supermarket in which the Bundys are seeking refuge due to a broken air conditioner. Uh, Elmo on Elmo's World uh, had a parody called Supermarket Sleep. Uh, Nickelodeon Kids Game Show, you know, uh, there was a Super Toy One sweepstakes, similar Supermarket Sweep. I don't know if it's fully fledged out as a game show, so I figure I would spend the time right now to put this into this episode. I'm pretty sure I will explain it a bit more in later episodes but it's similar supermarket sweep uh because uh, they have five uh, if you won the sweepstakes and super toy run you were sent to either a kb toys or a toys r us <laughs> both of those places don't exist anymore we all get our stuff on amazon or or at the supermarket uh or walmart or target you know how it is the economy's great Thanks, Donald. Um, So, uh, they would get five minutes to grab whatever they want. Uh, Of course, similar to Supermarket Sweep, uh, there were pendants. Uh, But the pendants were kind of like two things that you can't really just grab and put in your cart. So, this was like the bicycles, the game consoles, etc. Michael Malley would host this, and it would be a nice promotional piece for Nickelodeon, you know, during the summertime. Um... It wasn't a game show per se, because there was no trivia questions and no teams playing for it. It was really just the sweepstakes where it was just, here's one guy, we're taking him to his local Toys R Us, five minutes, go buy whatever. That, that was it. Um, there was actually even some articles about what happens if you're a contestant Super Toy Run. Michael Malley would actually uh, give hints to the contestants that if you don't put it in your cart, just knock it off the shelf because that is considered a, a kept item because it's considered slightly damaged. Um, there was no, you know, deduction when it came to Super Toy Run sweepstakes. Uh, it was also featured on I Love the 90s Part 2, even though I believe it started in the 80s. Uh, there was also a, a silly, uh, skit on SNL called Supermarket Spree, where Melissa McCarthy would pretend to be a contestant on the show and would, you know, start stealing everything from the market, including light fixtures and the camera, uh, there was a reference on Family Guy. It's basically become its own cultural relevance. There was even a board game, but it was the 60s edition, not necessarily the Ruprecht edition. 
there was also some more trivia if you want it, because I love reading the trivia section of the Game Show Wiki. <clears throat> the Lifetime version, taped at Stage 9 of KTLA Studios in Hollywood. PAX version, uh, taped in Santa Clara Studios before moving to NBC Studios in the year 2000, due to NBC's alliance with PAX at the time. Supermarket Sweep celebrated its 50th anniversary on Sunday, December 20th, 2015. Ray Comey is currently developing a new version of Sweep called Superstore Sweep. Shh, we'll get to that in a bit. <clears throat> the effects used uh, in the first season were buzzing sounds from the Million Dollar Chance of a Lifetime. Oh, that's an obscure game show. And a buzzer for an incorrect answer. For a 30 seconds show, when the 30 seconds ran out, beginning of the second season, sound effects were taken from an old soul pilot called People on TV. People on TV was a game show based on People Magazine, where it was people answering celebrity questions. Okay, $5,000 wind bells and sirens were used in an episode of In Living Color in a game show skit called The Dirty Dozens. The 30-second shootout theme was used on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode Eyes on the Prize when Jazz and Will were on the show Double Trouble. The music played while Jazz and Will were fighting in the isolation booth. In the first three seasons, when players buzzed in, red lights flashed three times and then faded out. For the rest of the run, the three lights uh, buzzed in for an answer. And they just stayed on. From 1991, David's crushing cards were red during the main game, blue for the Red Robin game, and yellow for the mini sweep. Starting in late 1991, David's crushing cards are now used with Supermarket Sweep logo on it. In early 93, David's cards were all yellow, then purple text, and then was 93. Oh my god, I can't even read it. Who the hell put yellow text on the wiki page? I can't read yellow on the wiki page. All right. <clears throat> David's crushing cards show the Supermarket Sweep logo with the blue and yellow. When Lifetime aired reruns, they used their own commercial-free pugs instead of Johnny Gilbert announcing. When PAX aired in reruns in the final Lifetime season, they edited out the contestants' hotline of the Lifetime era and used the old commercial-free pugs that was used on Lifetime. When David announced the loudspeaker of the Manager Special, the $300 movie, or bonus envelope in the PAX era, they used a winning alarm sound, which was oddly still in use through bus sleep if the 5000 was won. October 13th, 2017, Fremantle Media announced they had required the lights and format of a revival. I mean, they also air it on Buzzer. A lot of people can watch now Supermarket Sweep on Buzzer. It's on Amazon Prime. Just Google it. It's like, it's everywhere now, Supermarket Sweep. When Buzzer and Amazon Prime reran the entire lifetime ran on the 1991 version, they edited out the feed plugs, and in the Amazon Prime version, they edited out the feed plugs and the contestants' hotline. I think those stuff is, I believe, now on Buzzer somewhat. A lot of the time when they're airing Supermarket Sweep now, it is the most, la it was the last season uh, which is the MC Studios, the 2000 to 2003 version. So, the original version was 65 to the, the basically 1967. It only lasted a couple of years. But in the 90s, it lasted the longer years with David Ruprecht. It lasted from 1989 to 1995. And that was the one on Lifetime. Because of the reruns that they aired on PAX, it was revived in 2000 to 2003. Which means it did have another bump. Which means technically... If you want to go, 1989 to 2003 was when Supermarket Sweep aired, even though there was no episodes that were new from 1995 to 2000. You got, you got it? Let me keep going now. So Johnny Gilbert was the announcers uh, from the 1989 to 1995 editions. Uh, and in some episodes early on, uh, he also returned for the revival in April and June 2000. It was Johnny Gilbert speaking for... That, that was the supermarket sweep announcer we're not going to go full on to johnny gilbert but we did talk about jeopardy johnny gilbert was the is the announcer for jeopardy so when you listen to jeopardy 
This is Jeopardy. He was the supermarket sweep announcer for the original 90s edition. So here's Benny with the ham and the cheese. He was a host, substitute host for Prices Right in the 60s. He hosted a game show called Beat the Odds and Music Bingo. And he announced all sorts of game shows. He was a substitute announcer for Card Sharks, Jackpot. He was a supermarket sweep guy. He did Dream House. He's one of those iconic announcers of game shows. Uh, he did Love Connection. He did Million Dollar Chance of a Lifetime, which I guess I gotta keep talking because I keep bringing it up. Uh, he did Blackout. He did $25,000 Pyramid, $100,000 Pyramid from time to time. But in the revival, after the first couple of months, Johnny Gilbert was no longer the announcer. And instead, it became game show legend Randy West. Randy West is one of the most iconic voices of game shows and is a longtime fan of the genre. Randy West was the announcer for the Trivial Pursuit game show that was on the Family Channel, Wild Animal Games, which was one of Ryan Seacrest's game shows. Uh, there was Family Challenge. There was Hollywood Showdown on GSN. The Big Spin, if you were a local California person like me. Uh, the Price is Right for a few months. Uh, and then there was the Newlywed Game. Uh, he was a contestant on the price on the Press Your Luck, and he was also in the uh, Weakest Link for for a while. So the announcer was also a big part of the show. David Ruprecht, because now I get to do the fun part of the show. Thank you for sticking around for an hour of game show stuff. Uh, what made Supermarket Sweep exciting was, of course, the host would play like a manager of the the of the supermarket. So David Ruprecht was, of course, like playing the manager of this show. The announcer was a kind of the play-by-play commentary guy, giving it a sports broadcast feel. Even though it's more amped up, it's a little more silly, it's a little more goofy. So here's Betty grabbing five garden hoses. Here's Thomas. What's Thomas up to? Thomas is grabbing some Tide at $14 each. That's a hefty bundle. Oh, where's Mark going? Mark is over at the coffee. If he can grab it and put it in the car within the time limit, he'll get a bonus $100. Things like that would make the sports broadcast. Uh, it is an aspirational thing. And it's also the most hyper-capitalistic thing out there. If you are a critic of capitalism, you would hate Supermarket Sweep because the idea is to spend the most money in a set amount of time and whoever has the most money wins and everyone else loses. So there's a little bit of, of messed up, fucked up things going on here when it comes to Supermarket Sweep. But it's such a fun game because it's just high energy. They're running around. They're going crazy. And there's a lot of fun facts to come with the show that I think uh, need to be addressed as well. All the meat that was on the show was fake. Uh, it, was, it was basically like a hard resin plastic. Uh, that's because they didn't want the, the meat juice on the sweaters. Plus, uh, the food was kind of expired. Uh, they shot five months every year, and they used the same food over and over again. Uh, of course, that means that the food would eventually go bad. Uh, so that's why also the food would kind of expire and a lot of fake stuff would show up because we don't want the stuff that would look good on camera perish after the second episode. Winners don't keep the food. That was only in the original version. The secret to winning was, of course, beauty products. Uh, also, an important thing was even if you won, you had to wait because if it didn't air, you didn't get the money until like 90 days after the fact. Uh, shooting days were kind of weird as well. Uh, here's why. <clears throat> It wasn't a full-on, 
here's round one, here's round two, here's this, we're done. Because anyone who's watched the show would know, Supermarket Sweep kind of just does everything piece by piece by piece. So in the first part, we see an audience, and you're like, oh, wow, an audience. That audience isn't there. That audience is not watching the big sweep. Because if you ever watch the show, when you see the, the big like main shot of the supermarket, where do they place the damn audience? It's no longer there. That's where the checkout is. Or they just run through the aisles. Because, because basically they break it up piece by piece by piece. So the first segment, we get all the week's shows. So who's got the Oreo cookies? You're on. Who's got the Who's got the Jolly Time popcorn? Okay, you're on. Who's got the pine nuts? You're on. Things like that would be the first thing they tape in the day. Stop tape. Now we go on to the first three people, and we start round one with the mini sweep and a first game. All the people who aren't on this, who aren't introduced, go backstage, go back to the green room. And we get through all the people of round one for all the day's shows. Then we return again. Now we're in round two with everyone else. And they got to go through it again. And then when that's all done, now it's they have to do the big sweep. So we film the big sweep. And then let's, let's see all we stage the, the, the results. And then we stack everything back up. And then make it look seamless because you've won the money. Uh, they reset the entire supermarket yet again. So then everyone gets a fair shot again at finding the money. And all the wackiness happens again. Uh, that's how an episode supermarket sweep is done. This big sweeps are done all at the same time. And then the final sweeps are done all at the same time. That way, they can actually hide some money. Uh, otherwise, because you have to hide the money in the $5,000 somewhere. So after they do all the tolling up, then they all get brought back, and they've already hidden the $5,000 in the three clues. That, that's, that's simply how it goes. There, it helped sum up how the game show production is made. Rinse, repeat for 14 hours until everything is done. There is, they had to wear dickies during the big sweep, but they didn't get to keep the dickies if they were in second or third place. In addition, even though it was replicating that of the Hughes markets or the family markets, it was actually smaller than that. It's actually a much smaller uh, supermarket than normal because everything is smaller in Hollywood. Um, so that way, if, if you never notice when you see the supermarket, when they run through the carts, it's very tightly squeezed that they can't fit two carts in one aisle. And it makes it really difficult if you were a cameraman. The other thing is that contestants right before the big sweep would actually get to see the supermarket and plan things out for a few minutes. So they would go through all the aisles like this is the soup aisle. This is the cereal aisle. This is garden supply. This is beauty products. This is health and fitness. This is vitamins. This is diapers and baby products this is coffee and then they would point to each of the items uh so they get to know ahead of time too where the coffee is where the sandwiches are because david ruprecht explaining it doesn't mean anything if they say get candy for a hundred dollars and coffee for a hundred bucks it wouldn't work so someone who's a challenge producer also had to explain to these contestants 
You have to make sure the candy is at 1. If it's 98 or 102, we'll still give it to you. You have to use the scooper unless it's a few pieces, then you can just take it out. The candy can't fall on the floor. Things like that would be explained to the contestants. So, now that we've explained all of the things that would happen to an American version of Supermarket Sweep, how would a revival work? What is it like in, around the world? All of that stuff. That's right. It's Supermarket Sweep. There's a lot to talk about. So, in America, Supermarket Sweep would only last, you know, 10 years, but it had a cultural impact. In fact, Supermarket Sweep is currently on the air right now. There is a Supermarket Sweep, and it airs in the Ukraine, where it's called Shaushara. I, I, I think I butchered that. But there's an infamous version in Canada uh, with Tino Monti and Dave King uh, on, that, on that screen, which play exactly like the same but a minute on the clock instead of a minute 30. It even aired in Japan called Ikaku Senken, which I don't even think exists because are there Japanese supermarkets? Like, who's got the CC Lemon? Okay, you're on. There was a version in 2011 called Arasa Kontoro Kunkemart. I know I butchered that one up, and Univision produced that with Al Howard, uh, where it was essentially supermarket sweep, but instead of a supermarket, it was Kmart. And it was similar to supermarket sweep because there was mini games, and it was kind of like an elimination game until there was two people left, and whoever won the show didn't go for a bonus sweep for $5,000 or whatever was equivalent. No, they only won what they grabbed on the Kmart studio thing. Uh, the runner-up gets a $100 gift card to Kmart. There's also cash bonuses, much like the show. Uh, the title translates to Sweep It All with Kmart. As you can tell, this show would never last when Kmart is pretty much going under with Sears. But it, hey, it, it was worth a shot because, I mean, at supermarkets kind of don't really appeal much these days. But if you do a you know a big superstore which is why a lot of people are saying Superstore Sweep would be the name of the show. Uh, who knows? If I was to do a revival of the show, uh, it would have to be, I would just make it Supermarket Sweep. I, I w all I would do is just make it like a regular grocery store now, complete with organic stuff and vitamins. Because if you ever go to a regular supermarket these days, now there's like lots and lots of choices and lots and lots of brands. And I would try to encourage just the variety aspect of it. Make games over like what's the flavor of Oreo, for instance. And just increase the final sweep to be worth $10,000. And I think you have a winning formula on your hands because nothing's really changed with the world's supermarkets other than brands and a lot more items. That if you still had to spend two, like, two minutes and 30 seconds in a supermarket to buy very expensive items... And just increase the bonus items. I mean, you could still end up with like $14,000 at the end, which is a nice amount of money for Supermarket Sweep if you win big. Otherwise, it's like three grand, four grand, which is not that bad at all. And even then, that's if you really know how to Supermarket Sweep. If not, it's probably going to be like a thousand bucks. And that could be it for your day, which is okay as well. As for like where it will go, I don't know. GSN. Maybe uh, what what uh, uh like a uh, uh, my t TV, maybe buzzer. Who knows? 
Um, but the big cultural appeal is also has to go from our friends across the pond. Uh, because, well, the David Ruprecht version is the big cultural appeal here in America. It also had a cultural appeal over across the pond in the UK with their version called Dale Supermarket Sweep with Dale Winton as the host. Uh, in that version, they had 60 seconds. Uh, and unfortunately, they didn't really have much branding because, hi, it's the UK. You can't do that. Uh, so instead, it was really, it was almost exactly like the show itself. There was a mini sweep. And, who, and it was like 25 pounds, 50 pounds, because that was kind of the equivalent of how much things cost at their supermarket. Uh, the round robin was called Dale's Daily. The big sweep was still played the same. Uh, originally, it was a $2,000 bon- uh, final sweep. Then it went on to be 5,000 pounds in the finale. Uh, the inflatables were still the bonus items. There were still pick and mixes. There was a pricing gun where they had to use a pricing gun to label a bunch of, of cans. And uh, that, that's kind of pretty much it. The, the show basically played exactly the same as it did here. Uh, it lasted from September 6, 1993, and kept going all the way up to 2001. And then a revival happened on February 12, 2007, and lasted till August 31, 2007. Uh, their version also had one of my favorite things ever, and that was a dance song where they basically interspliced Dale Winton's supermarket sweep with their, you know, get wild in the aisles. When you're at the supermarket, you hear the beep to like a dance song. And it's so weird. And I got to play a clip of it. It's on YouTube. Don't worry. It's one of the most iconic like YouTube videos I've ever watched. It's fun. I got You just got to listen to this for a, real, for, for a few seconds. Next time you're at the checkout and you hear the beep. Next time you're at the checkout and you hear the beep. Next time you're at the checkout and you hear the beep. Next time you're at the checkout supermarket sweep. love it and i just want to play more of it but i know i'm gonna run out of time if i just play the whole song i really love supermarket sweep i think it could definitely be revived to this day but but man like for, for, it's basically an iconic thing because without a supermarket sweep a lot of these uh, stores having a like two to three minute shopping spree uh, would probably not have been existent and uh from david ruprex edition to dale's supermarket sweep which is if you've ever seen the American version of Supermarket Sweep, it's just basically that, but within like a weird Tesco-looking thing, uh, and dancing butchers, and and a segment where the che- checkout ladies just start looking at you and wink at the camera. It's kind of weird and, and campy, and it's just fun. I think that's why Supermarket Sweep just works. It's just a full-on fun show. I think it's one of those shows that I don't I don't do weed, but I'm pretty sure if you were just stoned as as fuck. You would just have a fun time watching the show, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Why is there a giant Pillsbury Doughboy or Jolly Green Giant? Mellow music and like weird techno music playing in the background, saxophones. You never know. I, I, it's just such a cultural appeal game. 
And it, it's one of those game shows that, that I think uh, still is in the memories of a lot of people this day, even if they don't really pay attention to game shows. And I think it's only because there's not that much trivia involved. It really is just three minutes of people like acting like chickens, their heads cut off, just running around, grabbing coffee cans and, and, and cheese and, and meat and beauty supplies and garden hoses and trash cans. It's, it's so fun. Uh, and uh, obviously, if you have Buzzer, give it a watch. I don't know if it's on Twitch, but it's such a good show that you just have to like give it a go. It, it's, it, it's a fun, aspirational show, um, and, and it's the real grocery game. Speaking of grocery game, uh, that was what we talked about last week on our pricing game spotlight. And now we have another game. Actually, no, we did Bullseye, I think. No, we did, no, we did Grocery Game. And here is what we're going to talk about this week on the pricing game spotlight. Clock Game made its debut September 11th, 1972. Tape day 0021D. It's played on the turntable. A previous game was Bullseye 1. Clock Game is a game where contestant races against the clock to win two prizes, an additional bonus prize, and originally a cash bonus. Contestant has 30 seconds to deduce the price of two prizes one at a time. The contestant makes guesses at the price. After each guess, the host will tell the contestant higher or lower until they guess the correct price, which is displayed on screen for the audience and for the people at home to see. Unlike most pricing games, the audience is not allowed to provide contestants with any help during Clock Game, and like with Hole in 1 or 2, are thus told to be quiet. On some occasions, audience members have blurred out answers despite being told not to. If this happens, generally, offending audience members are removed from the studio. Bum, bum, bum. If the contestant successfully guesses the price within the 30-second time limit, he or she wins it and keeps the price no matter what happens. Um, then, with the time remaining, the contestant can bid on the second prize, as before. Successfully guessing both prizes wins the contestant a bonus prize. However, if time expires while bidding on the second item, the contestant still wins the first prize. If the contestant does not bid on the first prize at a time, a rare occurrence, the losing horns are played. If the contestants are not bid on the second prize, only the time's up buzzer and the foghorn is heard. There's even a strategy page here on the Prices Right wiki. Uh, the best way for contestants to win the game is to give a bid of $100 increments, 500, 600, 700, 800, and then the contestant would give a bid between 700 and $800, for example, and then go for 750. Then they'll go by I'm subtracting 10, depending on what the host tells the contestant. So 750, lower, 740, 730, 720, 710. Uh, one common example make contestants did would be saying out the numbers in the tens and ones column, which would be 991, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Another example would be some contestants would be saying the numbers in the ones column, only which would be 991, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. This logical strategy for the game is binary search strategy, which makes the game fairly easy to win. That's right. So it, it, the contestants would actually get the okay if they, you know, they know it's 990 to do 992, 93, 94, 95, 556, 789 to stop the clock and save some time. Here's some history, though. Clock Games Clock was very problematic during its first rehearsals back in 1972. Uh, I don't know what stand-up comedy they've been given. To the point where it never really debuted. Two early clock game losers were awarded the prizes after their shows were taped because the clock hadn't count down from 30 to 0 in only 22 seconds. Oh, that's why. 
Clock Game was lost on the day it first premiered, but it was won the very first time two days later on September 13, 1972, tape date 0023D. The thousand dollar cash bonus was added on December 14, 1998, tape date 0941K, as a way to compensate for the fact that Clock Game never offers prizes worth more than $999. During the primetime specials that aired in 1986, a win contestant got to choose a cash bonus from one of four envelopes. The available bonuses were $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, and $5,000. In all primetime specials since 2002, a $5,000 bonus has been awarded to winners. For the clock game's first six times, it's been played since the 1970s syndicated version. Players won a $1,000 bonus for winning both prizes with at least two seconds to spare. Also during the 70s syndicated run, Starting with episode number 215N until the end of that run, Clock Game was played for three prizes. For a brief period in the early 1980s, Clock Game was played with four-digit prizes, including cars. But the large numbers proved to be too hard for the contestants to handle in the fast-paced game, spotting contestants by the thousandth digit and not requiring them to say it didn't help matters. By 2008, Clock Game, even with the $1,000 cash bonus, again had the lowest payout of all pricing games. For a brief period from 2008 to 2009, prizes with four-digit prizes were offered again, but with the exception of one technical win. The game was never won under this format, so the rules were amended to the player betting on a small portion of the second prize package and throwing in the larger prize as a bonus prize beginning on April 29, 2009. Tape date number 4733K. As of this season, prizes with four-digit prizes were offered as a bonus prize in addition to the $1,000 bonus. There have been some memorably bad occasions for Clock Game, on January 21st, 1991, a contestant named William uh, bid $50 on a $700 baker's wreck and increased his bids in very small increments, never won it, making him to $300 before time ran out. Bob was at a loss for words, but finally told him, you'll never buy a baker's rack for $50. Uh, another memorable playing was, uh, uh, Jesus, it's just memorable playings? Uh, okay. Um, well, so, uh, okay, um... I, I, why would I care for contestant said something silly and the host said something silly back uh Karen Lear massages Bob Schultz yeah like okay that's good all right 994 syndicated price is right pricing game was an onset video wall with digital clock the game frequently used prices with four digit prices and on some occasions the third prize was awarded as a bonus for winning the brew chroma key on the clock game board was problematic on March 25th 2003 after the turntable was redesigned to a pink, purple, blue pattern, and the blue from the turntable was interfering with the chroma key. To combat this, producers originally added a ye large yellow circle behind the game on April 23rd, 2003, until finally painting the board yellow on May 30th, 2003, with chroma key changing to green. On September 26th, 2014, a complete overhauled look was introduced. After the prices were described, the previous look was seen on its back side of the turntable. Then Drew Care explained that there were so many pricing games making changes, so everyone's about to see a new look for Clock Game. So the turntable turned its way around the front to show everyone the new look, a new electronic blue stopwatch look with its Clock Game logo on top, and a new look for the clock underneath with only hash marks for the 30 seconds instead of a chroma key. The left side of the clock is now where the contestant's graphic is shown. Originally, the price tag graphics for the prices were shown to be the audience instead of Chiron were now in CGI. Finally, the red price taxes were silver and the our bonus was discontinued. Uh, the the second clock game look, instead of looking like a weird, awkward clock, is now looking like a giant stopwatch. I should just say that. Uh, February 9th, 1984, a clock game was offered a car as a bonus prize. Clock game was won seven times in its primetime series out of the eight that have been played. On the January 30th, 2017, Drew Carey gave a dozen infor correct information on a couple of occasions while playing for a first prize. 
And because of this, Asperger's put some time back on the clock with six seconds red. The contestant won second prize and has the bonus of one second to spare. The most number of times this game was played on any season was 79. This game is actually a playing a bullseye one with a time limit. The only difference is how many times the contestant can bid on bullseye one. And in clock game, you can have as many bids as you like. Uh, wow, that's a fun fact. Oh, you have to look below it for the for the million dollar spectacular. On one of Drew Carey's million dollar spectaculars, which aired March 7, 2008, uh, Cynthia Azevedo won one million dollars off a of clock game, which was the million dollar game of the evening. To win the million, you must win both prizes in less than 10 seconds. Winning both prizes on more than 10 seconds, but on 30 seconds, to won five thousand dollars. Given the prices for both items in, in X99, a common bid by contestants playing clock game, it was fairly easy for her to win. Below is a picture gallery of what happened. It was the only time the million was won on the pricing game. The other two times were due to a showcase bid being within $1,000, $500 in later episodes. Well, that's nifty. Foreign editions. Clock game is playing variations of the prices right in America's country from the United States, sometimes in modern altercations. On the UK, Bruce's prices right from the second series onward. Contestants were told that all of the game's prices in in five or zero. In the 1980s, UK version took a markedly different approach. Uh, after using Clock Game in a different series, the game was replaced with an original pricing game called Time Play. Time Play gave contestants 30 seconds to guess the prices of three prizes, and the clock would not stop after correct guesses. On Mexico's El Tante El Presito, I don't know, the contestants was given 45 seconds to guess the prices of two products rather than the usual 30. As such, clock goes around three quarters of the way rather than only halfway. Like most foreign versions of the U.S. pricing games, Clock Game has unique looks. For instance, Bruce's prices right in the U.K. uses a watch-style setup with two computer displays, one for each digit, while Larry Enmer's runs in the Australia use a setup resembling a castle, with the clock going around completely rather than only halfway, like in the U.S., and lighting up as each second ticked. No foreign version is known to carry a bonus for guessing all the prices correctly within the time limit. There you go, that's a fun fact. Price, I think Clock Game is one of those other classic games because it, it does add a sense of urgency and it is a game where the contestant and the host have to banter very fast. So if you speak very fast, you might have a better advantage. And if you're Bob Barker or Drew Carey, you got to basically listen very well because if they say 550 and it's 549, you got to make sure to say lower uh, as fast as you can as well. Uh, which I think gives a good advantage for Drew Carey, a known improviser, because, you know, zip, zap, zop, and all those other fun games where you have to listen as fast as you can, uh, which would give him a better advantage in this game over Bob Barker, who has to probably pause a bit when hearing. Just saying. I'm just, I, I think uh, that's why Drew Carey has an upper hand in this game over Bob Barker. Bob Barker still a great host with this game because he knew how to uh, dramatize every second and making it very urgency. Because with 30 seconds, that's not enough to guess two prizes. And there's a bonus. And I think what makes this very workable is the, is the bonus prize uh, in addition to those two smaller prizes. I think adding that to the, to the nook and cranny of this game uh, makes it a worthwhile game nowadays. Uh, because now for maximum effect, yes, you win the one small item, but then you have to go to that second item. And if you want to maximize the most dramatic part, because that's what I love talking about when it comes to these pricing games, the most drama you can have is to win on that last second, that buzzer beater. It's like four seconds left and you know it's $900. So you're like 910, higher, 920, higher, 930, lower. 925, lower, 924, 923, 922, ding, 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 ding. That's what makes the clock game just an interesting uh, follow-up game. 
uh, addition, because Bullseye was a stinker, because higher or lower. I think having the time limit does make a sense of urgency. Plus, it makes it easy when it comes to figure out the timing for the game, because a lot of these games are, are pretty much just you have to wait for the audience for the approval, disapproval. With Clock Game, you can kind of count out the game and figure out that it might last maybe one to two minutes, which makes it a very feasible game to play if you are running on a tight schedule. Um, and that's why I think that this, this game really does work when, when evolved. Uh, and I think, and it's still around to this day. Uh, from September 11, 1972 to this day, it's still a game being played on The Price is Right. And it, it's an easy game to win an easy prize. And I think that that works for everybody. You, you could win patio furniture and a barbecue and, I don't, I don't know, a kitchen island, something. Uh, <laughs> so that's what makes this game so fun. But of course, there's always a variety of losing. Uh, I think Clock Game ha- has a good appeal. And I do love the idea of a contestant going like 94, 95, 99, 97, 99, 100. Because that becomes like a sense of virtue. Plus they're nervous and they're shaking and they have to figure out all this stuff. It, it, it It's the only game I can think of in the world of game shows where it's a puzzle that's done really quick and there's a sense of urgency and these contestants are basically sweating it out. I mean, that doesn't even work on Millionaire. That doesn't happen on, on any of these games. Even like on Pyramid with a ticking clock, they have to think about what to say but with this, they have to remember what they have said so they can go higher or lower and think it through. If they don't, they blow it and don't win the prize. And that's something that I think works in its favor. I don't think of, I can't think of any other game in the history of, of game shows necessarily that can be a puzzle under a time limit that involves higher or lower hearing it and, and trying to stay cool under pressure. Everyone else has some limits to it, but I think Clock Game on The Price is Right nails it and nails it right out of the park. And that's something I really approve. And it's one of my favorite games on The Price is Right. Uh, and I, I, I'm glad it's still around. Uh, next time on The Price and Game Spotlight, we'll be taking a look at Double Bullseye. Wow, it's like regular Bullseye, but double. How could this go wrong? So thank you all for listening to this great episode of Game Shows, I suppose. I hope we went through everything regarding Supermarket Sweep. We went through a lot of mini games. We learned a lot of inflatables. Uh, we, we learned how to catch money. I, I wish we can talk about more about Dale Winton's version. But, I mean, there's, there's not that much to really go into other than there's a TV monitor instead of a LED screen. Like, that's about it. Like, nothing else. It's, it's quirky. It's fun. Go watch Dale Supermarket Sweep. You can find that out. Um, until then, we're going to have a watch a brand new game show coming soon. Thank you for listening. And I hope to you join me next week when we talk about another game show. Until then, everyone, big smooch. Mwah!